Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning and welcome. I'm Heather Caro. And I'm Father Paul Rutten. We're broadcasting today from St. Mary's Parish in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thanks for joining us. And always a pleasure to be at St. Mary's, Father. It's always a pleasure to have you guys. How's it going? Great now that the sun's shining and <laughs> that rain is done and snow and all those other things. Yeah, it was a little icy this morning, but I yeah. think it's gone by now. So, yeah. so we'll before we get too far into our great show we have planned for you today, let's open up with a prayer, if sure. you would, Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of this Lenten season and the opportunity to open our ears and our hearts to hear your word to allow our spirits to be inflamed with your love. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you may always give us the graces that we need so that we may be faithful in all things and that you may touch the lives of those who listen today, that they may know your presence in their lives. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Amen. Amen. So busy Lent so far? Yeah, you know, I always joke that we always tell everyone else, you know, slow down during Lent, and then the church picks up and a priest is busier than they're ever busy. But that's all right. <laughs> I just, I can't imagine that priests ever have a downtime. No, I always say, kids will say, Father, are you ever bored? And I'm like, nope, nope. I pray for boredom. I pray for it a lot. But no, it's never dull. It's like, well, it's like being a parent. Yeah. It's never boring. It's never boring. So it's a great life. I love it. Yeah. Well, we have an exciting show. Uh, the first hour, we're going to be talking about Eucharistic miracles, <laughs> Eucharistic miracles, which is one of my favorite subjects. Mine too. It's always amazing. I know. So our first guest is somebody that we're actually familiar with, a voice we've heard many times, Karen Gibis. Karen, good morning. Good morning, Heather. Good morning, Father. Good. How does it feel to be on the other side? There was a moment of panic about 6.15 this morning when I woke up going, wait, I'm supposed to be on the radio today. I'm late. No, wait, I'm a guest. I'm okay. <laughs> there, was, there was a little confusion in the first moments of my morning. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's easier to be on the questioning side than the answering side. I've, I've figured that out. But yeah, you're well, in the hot seat today. And I'm in the hot seat. The, the light <laughs> is shining on me. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, Karen. Well, I was born and raised in Sturgis, South Dakota. I am the oldest of 14 children. Wow. So by the time I met my husband, I had a PhD in organized chaos. <laughs> yep. There we go. Yeah, right? Well, then... <laughs> My, my husband and I have been married for 20 years, and we have eight children ourselves. Oh. So I'm pretty sure, I don't know what's there above PhD. I, I'm not sure, but <laughs> I have thus mastered organized chaos on a whole new level as yeah. <laughs> um, the mother of five boys and three girls. Mm. The oldest is 19, and the youngest two are seven. Wow. And we homeschool. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> because you know that, that, that and because that's right. just not enough in my free time i work part time for real presence radio wow so i i oh know gosh. a thing or yeah. two about this organized chaos 
She yeah, does. It, it, it's, well, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So. And anytime we have any sort of gathering for Real Presence Radio and all the families are together or whatever, it's like the children are magnets to Karen. Oh, sure. I mean, they can just see that she's up to no good and that she's having more fun than anyone else. You know, she's, I am. she's the kind of parent you want. Right. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm the type of parent that my children will come up to me and say, Mom, turn the music down. It's too loud. <laughs> and I'm like, just just dance with me. And they're like, uh, no. I no, can't, mom, mother. No. Just stop. <clears throat> so that's that's wow. me in a nutshell. Nice. Well, that's we're glad to have you on today, and you had a really um, amazing story that we wanted to share with the listeners. And I'm grateful that you're going to uh, offer that up to us today because it can be quite personal to share some of these intimate stories with all of our listeners. So, where does this story begin, Karen? Well, this story begins uh, 12 years ago. In August morning, I received a phone call from my dad telling me that my 16-year-old brother had died in the night. Oh, no. But it gets worse because he had actually taken his own life. And that is not a call that I want anyone ever to have received, obviously. But what makes it, I would say worse is I was eight months pregnant with our fifth child. And I, of course, had four children, boys, four boys, (laughs) that should just like sum it up in just one one big package, four boys who were seven and under. So there was a lot going on in my life at that point. And I remember when my dad called me, there was this great sadness in his voice. But more than that, there was a I could hear that he felt like he was putting a burden on me by telling me what had happened. Oh, sure. And I had asked, how did it happen? Because I needed to know. I, part of the whole organized chaos thing, I mean, there really is something to that because I am very organized and I have to know answers and I have to have a plan and I have to be involved. That's just like the downfall of my personality. And so I had to know what had happened. And I know dad didn't want to tell me, given the fact that I was pregnant and, you know, he wanted to make sure my husband was there when I had found out. But I really didn't give dad that opportunity to arrange mm-hmm. that for me. I kind of just took control and made it happen. And so I remember, I remember feeling instantly devastated and instantly going, why, why, why? You know, because that's right. the first question you ask. And, and if you don't ask that question, then you're still in some kind of shock. Because the question comes, it does, and it comes like a vicious thief in the night to steal your peace. And so what ended up happening then is I called my husband and I said, here's what happened, we need to leave now. And we were living, at the time, up in the UP of Michigan. So it was a long 16 hour drive to Sturgis, South Dakota. So I had plenty of time to ponder this. Well, what ended up happening, After that, immediately, the immediate response was, in my heart, I suppose it's all those years of Catholic training, in my heart I knew, pray, pray, Mm -hmm. pray. And so I I remember grabbing my rosary, and I remember praying. But again, that organized side of my mind wouldn't shut off. And I'd be, sound something like, Hail Mary, full of, oh, I need to cancel my OB appointment. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hail Mary full of, and I never really got through a Hail Mary. Hail Mary full of grace. I need to remember pack underwear for the kids. Right. Hail Mary full of grace. Oh yeah. wait, what about the shoes? And I just kept going through. I need to call this person. I need to call that person. I need to do this. I need to do that. I'm making brandied peaches. That takes three days. Who's going to do that for me? Wow. But it was like very impractical for me to be worrying about all these things at that moment. But my, my head wasn't where my heart was mm-hmm. at that time. So we get driving. We leave Karen, a bird. Can I ask you one quick side mm-hmm. question? So some people might be listening and um, death is always a really hard thing to deal with, especially with young children. How did you, or what did you say to your young boys at that time? I have always had a policy of telling my children the truth. I never want them to think that I've lied to them. I've never want them to think I've sugarcoated anything. I want my children to know the harshness of the world so that they are prepared for it. Mm. Even at seven, five, three, one, or two, I think it was two at the time. I wanted them to know. And I said, Uncle Mark died. And they said, how? And I said, he put a rope around his neck and he hung himself. And so right from the very start, they knew the truth. Wow. Because I wanted them to know, when I cry, there's a reason why I cry. When I hurt, there's a reason why I hurt for this. And they needed to know that this wasn't just a grandma dying. Wasn't just an old person dying. This was horrible. This was harsh. But it was reality. Yeah. Wow. So it was, and you know, and honestly that, you know, did come around and bite me in the butt a few times, you know, but I felt like they needed to know the truth because they needed to be, I mean, at seven, you're perceptive enough to know and you open your mouth and at five, you stick your foot in your mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they needed to know so mm. they didn't hurt other people with not knowing the truth. Right. Wow. So that that's uh, they knew sure. they knew probably before some of my siblings knew honestly, but that's that's just how I do things. That's how I you know I decided to raise my kids with the knowledge of the ugliness of broken right. world. So that so you're that, pa- we're so packed. We're yeah. packed. Everybody knows kind of what's going on at this point in my fam- in in my immediate family, and we're driving and we get as far as Lacrosse. Wisconsin. And it, we, I mean, 16 hours, you just, you're not going to drive all night. That's just not, and not with an eight month pregnant right. wife. Right. <laughs> you're just not. She's not going to let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> so we stopped, we got a hotel room and I sat in between the two beds on the hotel room upright. And, and when you're pregnant, that's really not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sat up all night and I hardly slept at all. And I just, I kept praying, but again, my head was saying, what about this? What about that? Oh no, now this, now that. And my heart, again, kept saying, pray, pray, pray. And my mind kept trying to distract me from that. So we get up in the morning, and of course, we have to drive all the way across Minnesota and all the way across South Dakota. And that is by far one of the more boring trips. <laughs> Agreed. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and, and you really don't feel like you're getting all that 
close. I'm like, oh, look, now we're halfway across Minnesota. You know, Yay. you should feel excited about that. No, you still have a long way to go. Mm -hmm. so I, what ended up happening is I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Prayed rosary, prayed chaplet for the dead, prayed, prayed, prayed. But what never occurred to me is to just quiet my head. And so mm. as we were going through, like past every exit, you know, you're coming up to that exit, I would think to myself, they don't really need me. We can just turn around. They'll be fine without us. We can just turn around on this exit. Mm. And then mm. my husband would drive right past it. Because of course, this was, I wasn't actually saying it. It was all right. in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Oh, here's another exit. You know, we yeah. could just turn around. We could just go home. They really don't need me. I don't really need to go. Th this'll be okay. I don't really need to go. And I did that with every exit across all of Minnesota and all of South Dakota. Oh my gosh. Well, and it's kind of like your mind is trying to do self-preservation. Yeah. It is, it was. And my heart at the same time is saying, no, 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 just pray, just pray. And there was like this battle, this war inside of me that I, I can't even put to words because I was fighting for both sides. I was fighting for that self-preservation. Yeah, protect mm -hmm. myself. But I was also praying, you know, fighting for the pray, Karen, just pray, just pray. Mm. So now anybody who is familiar with I-90 corridor, <laughs> <laughs> you get to Murdo, and then you get to Kadoka, and then you get to Wall, and you're yeah. just like, oh, my goodness, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. I get to New Underwood, and I'm starting to panic. There's legit fear in my heart. What am I going to see? What am I going to do? How am I going to talk to my family? Oh, my goodness, I have to talk to Dad. I have to talk to Mom. What am I going to do? I get to Ellsworth, okay, and I'm just like, ah, ah. <laughs> We're getting so close now. I actually know the exit numbers. This is really bad. And so at that moment, there was just like this little gentle nudge this beautiful little grace that came in and it said, visit the Blessed Sacrament. And I thought, what? No, I gotta go home and it's really bad. Visit the Blessed Sacrament. Hmm. And for one time, this whole trip, I looked at my husband and I said, I have to visit the Blessed Sacrament. I mean, it was like, wow. almost like this panic. Like, I have to, I have to visit this, the Blessed Sacrament and I have to do it now. And he's like, well, what, what do you wanna do? And I'm like, let's go, let's go to the church. And so I went to the parish where my parents went to Mass in Rapid City, and we got the priest, and I went into the church, and something extraordinary happened. Wow. Well, that's a good place for a break. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Which parish were you at? We were at Immaculate Conception Church, so oh, ICC. Oh, beautiful. I just had to put a picture to it. I had to put a picture to it. Yeah, so. if, you've, uh, if you've been in there, you know. Yes, yes. Beauty. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more with Karen Gibis, and she's sharing um, an amazing story with us and an amazing experience she had um, here, and we're going to get the end of that oh. story. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Are all sins forgivable, even suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Jesus said that there's only one unforgivable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit. Basically, that means dying without repenting. But how can someone who dies suddenly, such as by suicide, have a chance to repent of any sins? Jesus tells St. Faustina that he comes to the soul at death and gives them three opportunities to repent. Regarding suicide, Catechism 2283 says, By ways known to him alone, God offers them the opportunity for repentance. In essence, the only unforgivable sin is not accepting the mercy of God. So to learn how to help your loved ones do just that, please visit suicideandhope.com. So I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And welcome back. I am Heather Caro. And I'm Father Paul Rutten. And we're talking this morning with Karen Gibis, our listener relationship coordinator out in Rapid City, and she's sharing a really intimate um, experience and um, yeah. moment in your life. Um, briefly, um, you were living in Michigan, driving across the state of South Dakota and Minnesota on your way to your brother's funeral, who had committed suicide. And you were having this internal struggle, and the Lord called you to come and see him in the Holy Sacrament of the Eucharist. So you're at ICC Church. I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, so I, when you think about and. Again, eight months pregnant. I am a hormonal mess. I have just had a day and a, basically t- two days to think about the fact that my brother had taken his own life. I had not slept much. So we're talking hormonal, emotional, sleep-deprived mess. <laughs> and little kids. And little kids. Four little kids. And at this point, I, I like to describe myself at that moment as a the aftermath of a hurricane Followed by a fire, followed by a plague of locusts. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I am the worst I think I had ever been in my entire life at that moment. And well, when you go back to your home parish, it's just natural for you to seek out the pew in which your family always sat. And we had Mm -hmm. our pew. You know, there was the Bestian family pew right there. And so I sat down and it. Jesus was reserved in the tabernacle. He was not, was not like it was adoration or anything like that. 
and I was all alone, very quiet kind of situation where it's just me in the church. And at that moment, I realized I can just let go. So I, I did. Everything that I kind of kept inside in this entire trip, so as not to scare my husband, not to scare my children, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just let it all out, and I ugly cried. Mm-hmm. And I said to God, why, why? You know, why are we going through this? I can't do this anymore. I don't know what am I going to do to say to my family. I just can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. And I just kind of let it all out. And then, again, like kind of like that gentle nudging which I received to come to visit the Blessed Sacrament, I received another one saying, just let it all go. And I thought, oh, okay. And I just kind of resign myself to the, I cannot do this. Jesus, you have to help me. You have to do this. And that is the moment where something extraordinary happened because I felt a presence. And I don't know, I mean, you said miracle in the, you know, we're having the first hours about miracles. I wouldn't go so far as to say miracle, but definitely extraordinary. I felt a presence on my left side. And I felt this arm reach around me from the left to the right and squeeze, a hand squeeze, my right shoulder. And I really felt at that moment like I was being comforted. You know, the kind of comfort where you lay your head down and you just cry and you just know no matter what, this person's going to help you. They're going to protect you. They're going to just be there and comfort you. And that's what I felt. Now, I didn't actually lay my head down on anyone's (laughs) shoulder or anything like that. But that was the feeling that was there. And that took away, it took away the fear. It took away some of the confusion. It took away some of those emotions I was dealing with. And I just knew it was the Blessed Virgin Mary. And she was going to be there with me. And she was going to help me, protect me, guide me, be my mother. She was going to be my mother. And at that moment when I recognized that that was her, a very different presence on my right side I felt a very different presence. And I felt a very tender but masculine hand squeeze my right hand. Hmm. And it was a very, not like a, hey, squeeze, wake up, you know, kind of thing, but just a a firm, tender touch. And at that moment, I knew it was Jesus. And I felt, like, as soon as I acknowledged Mary's here, Jesus is here, God sent this grace that I... I, I can't even begin to describe how grateful I am for. Because the only way I can kind of describe what happened is when the apostles, having walked with Jesus, having been instructed by Jesus, having seen the miracles, they were instructed in what they should believe, but they didn't really know, completely know, until mm-hmm. the descent of the Holy Ghost upon them. And they just knew at that time, right? They just knew mm-hmm. everything that they had been taught. They believed, but they just knew. Well, I had believed in God's mercy. I believed in his love. I, I believed in all of the things that I had been taught. But at that moment, the gra- a grace came to me in which I knew. I knew what his mercy felt like. I knew what love felt like. And most importantly, I knew what it was like to have an active virtue of hope. Wow. And that just, I felt all of that in that moment. And I could not believe how the burden was just lifted off of me. 
I, I didn't even know really what was weighing me down. But I think it was a lack of hope, knowing mm. that God has given us everything that we need to get to heaven, and he does not forsake any of us. So I knew, and I just, I knew we were going to be okay. And subconsciously, I threw Mark in with the we, we were going to be okay. Because he was still an active part of the we in my life at that moment. So I knew he, we, all of us were going to be okay. Well then, because all beautiful things must come to an end, the eight-month pregnant lady had to pee. (laughs) 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 And it was a very unfortunate time to have to pee. And the church was basement door was locked, so I couldn't actually go down into the basement to go to the bathroom. And so I had to leave the church. I had to Mm. leave our Lord. And it was, again, a struggle. The body won out. I, I had to leave. And so I thanked God for the gift he had given me. I thanked Mary for just being there, mm-hmm. just sitting with me and being there as I, as I was healed, healed of this depression in a way, or this despairing, this thing that had just really gotten into me and I could not, the heart was trying to say, no, no, don't do that. Don't think like that. But my mind was just spiraling out of control this, the past two days. Mm-hmm. So I thanked them for all of that. And then I left to go to the bathroom. And when I walked out of the church, I felt 10 10 feet tall and bulletproof. There was no way that any temptation to despair was going to get me down. There was no way I wasn't going to trust God's mercy. And even to this day, I have a great, strong trust in mercy, in his mercy. I have a great, great um, ability to, to, I guess, hone in on that virtue of hope when I need it. Because I was, I guess, infused with it, saturated, marinated in it, something. Yeah. And and I don't know. I wish I had thought to ask my husband if I came out with this kind of glow. Sure. <laughs> Other than the pregnancy Other, glow. Yeah, <laughs> Other than the pregnancy glow, because I would, I kind of felt like I was radiating God's love and His mercy, and that virtue of hope just was kind of flowing off of me. Well, and I think you, you, I, what I am. Um, thinking about as you're telling me this story is that the the nature of a human person wants to escape those mm-hmm. feelings they want to run from those feelings because who wants to feel all of that i right. mean nobody does nobody but i i love the fact that you just dove right into the middle of it and and then on the other side you found out that god was waiting for you there in that hurt and in that pain. And so don't be afraid to go where it's scary and painful because God's waiting for you right there. Yeah, he is. There's a lesson to be learned in every every tragedy, every tribulation. So then after, after you had this experience and then you were interacting with your family, do you think that helped help yes. you help your family? Yes, for sure. Um, my my brothers had been discussing before I got there how she's just going to be a a blubbering mess, a hot oh, sure. mess. You right. know, she's eight months pregnant and she can't Which control herself. Which you're allowed to be if you wanted right. to be. <laughs> if I wanted to be, I had permission to be. Yes. And I remember walking in and they they were shocked because I walked in as strong as an oak tree. Wow. And I had the ability to hold my family up when they needed me to. I... The things, I mean, I could go on for another half hour about the beauty and the blessings that came that week of his funeral. The 
the gifts that God gave us, the things that I witnessed, the beauty that happened after. I mean, it just gave me the hope that, again, realizing the hope is always there and that God can take something, some tragedy, some ugliness, some brokenness and make beauty out of it. Wonderful. Do you mind sharing your brother's name with us so we can all pray for him? His name is Mark Bastian. Mark. Beautiful. Karen, thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for letting me share. Any last thoughts that you want to impart with the listeners before we let you go? Yes, I have one thing I want to say. I've been thinking about this. (laughs) Other than I'm totally awesome. But anyway. (laughs) Heather is totally awesome. But as a side note... When you, are, when you are facing something difficult or even something very normal like an exam or a, some type of situation in your life where you just are confused, go to the Blessed Sacrament and lay that burden at the foot of the cross. And don't try to tell God what you want from him. Mm. Just say, I cannot do this. You have to help me. And then just sit quietly. Because in those moments, he will heal you. He will help you. He will give you an answer. Mm. I feel like sometimes we sit down and we say, God, I'm having trouble with my son. I don't know what to do. Tell me what to say to him. Tell me what to do. And yet, we probably if we sat quietly, God would say, it's you who needs to change. You need to change. But we never sit quiet enough. So lay that burden at the foot of the cross and say, help me. Tell me what I need to know. That's what my last words are. (laughs) Powerful. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And have a great show. I am so pumped up to hear the rest of it. All right. right. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, next we're going to be talking with Earl Markley about some Eucharistic miracles displays that you can actually see. Those are always amazing. I know. I love them. If you can't see them in person... If you can't actually see the Eucharistic miracle in person, this is the next best thing. This is the next best thing. So more Eucharistic miracles when we come back. Uh, You're listening to Real Presence Live. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 